Hi, I'm Cameron, and welcome to our lecture series on awkwardly adulting. So every Friday, we read, annotate, and collaborate on Black revolutionary texts. The purpose of the lecture series is to educate ourselves before educating the people around us. All my sources used today will be linked on my website with my notes. Today, we'll be talking about the Black Panther and how they think we should handle a revolution. Now, I want to note now before I start, and then I will also remind you guys at the end, I'm going to be changing up the lecture series. I don't think anyone actually reads it. I might do a poll tomorrow to ask if they actually do, but I don't think so. So I kind of want to go to um, this black, this uh, the Black Matter, the sorry, the Black Lives Matter um, website. They have their own link tree, and it says resources, um, educating yourself. I think I'm gonna base my lessons on that because they have a whole plan like 10 minute reads, 20 minute reads, 45 minute reads. It's actually amazing how they put it right there in front of you. So I think I might just go off of that. It's pretty resourceful. (laughs) It's packed with sources where I could like look through them and read up. So just letting you guys know before I start because I don't know if I'm going to actually say it at the end. Um, but yeah, that's what I want to change up this whole series with, and I'm going to link the place where I'm going to get all my sources from on my Instagram, on my own link tree. So you guys have the ability to click through it and look over it before I start, um, next week's. So, today we are going to talk about the Black Panther again. This will be the last time. And they wrote about how they they perceive um, ongoing about handling a revolution. And if you did not know, we are going through a revolution right now, which is kind of weird to say. 2020, revolution, woo. Pretty cool, but pretty stressful. So I'm just going to go over my notes. I don't want to read what it says. I don't want to read what it says because it's a good three pages long. But it was really insightful to see what they were thinking about. And since our last lecture, I have to say I feel more informed. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> kind of. I feel more informed. Overall. Anyway. Um, a lot of people have been talking about how events now correlate to what happened back then. And I find it very interesting. Um, COVID-19 put us all, not all, but most of us out of work. And in the during the civil rights movement a lot of people didn't have work at the time and people were trying to get work get money by protesting and i guess that's what the white people were doing they're protesting the covid-19 saying it wasn't real because they wanted their jobs back but honestly it doesn't matter now but i'm just saying a lot of stuff correlates to back then and the whole point of history is that we learn from our mistakes and it seems like we have not so yeah let's get into it so I'm going to read a part of the beginning of the handling, the correct handling of a revolution, and I'm just going to read the first paragraph, and then I'm going to go over my notes. It's going to be a short lecture today, series thing today, because I don't really like, I'm going to get into it, I'll get into it, but the first paragraph, just so you can get an idea of what it was talking about, so we're going to get into it. Most human behavior is learned behavior. Most things the human beings learns are gained through an indirect relationship to their object. 
Humans do not act from instinct as lower animals do. Okay. Before we even continue, okay, this is obvious. Humans don't act from instinct. We, we have learned behavior. And that's why most people say um, racist kids don't learn. They're not born to be racist. They're, they, they were taught by their parents, by the people around them. So it's pretty clear when you see a kid in uh, kindergarten and, and or a five-year-old and they tell you, hey, I don't like the color of your skin. You're ugly. Like, stuff like that, it's their parents teaching them that. So that's what they're getting at here. And they also get into experience and how experience plays a part in learning. And let's see, humans do not act from instinct as lower animals do. Those things learned out indirectly many times stimulate very effective responses to what might be later a direct res- direct experience. So, for example, as a black kid, um, someone will follow me around the store when I walk in. Middle school. I walk into the store and the employee will follow me throughout the store. So, I am going to associate me going into the store with their behavior. Because that's from my experience. Now, if a white person walked in the store with me, they weren't followed. They, they're not followed around. So they don't associate that store, that employee, with their color, with their experience. Because they, d- they don't experience it. So that's one thing that white people will never understand. Is that they will never feel the same way a black person feels when they see a police officer. Or the same way that just that humiliating feeling of being smaller than yourself, feeling like you're not even human, and they will never feel that. And I've noticed a lot of people on Twitter, Twitter's amazing, um, a lot of people talking about how uh, police officers are fed up. Oh, these people are treating us like uh, ish and treating us with disrespect. And and black people are like, well, now they know. Well, that's how we feel every day. And it's a lot to take in, but they have a very valid point, and that's what they're talking about here in um, the text. So, you have to remember, this Black Panther, they're, they're trying to gain experience, well, uh, they already have experience, but they're saying there's other ways of learning and teaching other people. Okay. Um, let's continue. I wanted to read the rest. The brothers in East Oakland learned from Watts, a means of resistance finding by a ma- by, what is it saying? Sorry. Amassing the people in the streets, throwing bricks and Molotov, mo- mot- whoa, Molotov cocktails to destroy properties and create disrup- disruption. The brothers and sisters in the streets were herded into small area by the Gestapo police and immediately contained by the brutal bi- violence of the oppressor's stormtroops. Okay, they use a lot of words that I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't have looked up. But I have to say that what they're getting at is there was a situation in Watts. I didn't look up the full background, but it's the same situation now. There, there are protesters. Right now, there's protesters, looters, and rioters. And Watts, I think it was the whole backlash on not having a job, and I think it ran for seven days straight. I'm going to look it up right now. But the whole point, they're saying that we, as black people, as the Black Panthers Party, we do not condone using our fists, bricks, 
and stuff to teach other people what what they're going like to teach what the our oppressors white people police are doing is wrong and sorry i think let me move this okay perfect <laughs> and that's what they're getting at here now watch history i just googled this it says uh, Watts was incorporated as a, a separate city, taking its name from blah, 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 blah. That's not what I wanted. Oh, here we go. And Watts, that was in L.A. Now, I've heard of it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say that I've never heard of the the riots and whatever, the, the Watts. But I've never been told why and what specifically it was. Okay, so here it says it's uh, Watts. Riots of 1965, a series of violent confrontations between L.A. police and residents of Watts and other predominantly African-American neighborhoods of South Central L.A. It lasted for six days, and the Black Panther Party is saying that a lot of people in Oakland are learning from Watts. And Watts wasn't resisting, well, Watts wasn't fighting back, per se. They were just destroying their community. Now, some may say now, as there's a lot of different opinions right now, but I've noticed a lot of black people on the internet. Some don't condone people um, breaking stuff and destroying stuff, but it's kind of, on the other hand, you can't really tell someone how to feel emotions, how to express their emotions. It's like being told, just imagine, okay. Imagine being in a family. You're the only child. You try to talk to your parents about bullying at school. And you constantly try to go to them for help, for reassurance. And every single time they do, they tell you to go to your room. So, hey mom, can you please help go to your room? And each time I do, I go to my room. It comes to a point where I don't want to talk about my feelings at all because I was taught it. So now, we have a whole group of black people who've grown up in different situations, different communities, different neighborhoods, and they're all being told, they're all being a part of a, a whole movement to save their lives, to save their our rights. And I bet all these different people have a different way of expressing that frustration, that anger, that... Do you understand? Being told to go to your room and not express your feelings, you're going to feel a, a different way. You're going to feel like, oh, I, I shouldn't be able to speak up now because my parents didn't teach me to speak up. Or the opposite. Maybe your parents would talk to you about your feelings but disregard them. That's a whole... I bet people now don't feel like this movement will help. I bet half of these people that are a part of it, they don't feel like these petitions, these donations, nothing will help. And I bet they were taught that. This all plays a part. And... Half the black people, I, well, not I know, but I've noticed on social media, and including myself, I don't express my emotions through destroying things and breaking things. I, um, I, in a sense, write down things. I go to my room, sadly, and talk about it um, with myself. And that's why protesting to me seems valid. But I know other people would rather destroy because they've destroyed us. In a sense, people are saying those people went to Target to destroy Target 
because the police destroyed them. Like, they're fighting back at the police. They're, I guess, there was a um, video of a comedian that explained it. He explained society like a contract. And us as people, we sign the contract. And all the government, um, people that work for the government, including police officers, firefighters, those people, they sign a contract as well. And both of us are on this contract. Police have have breached this contract. So, does it matter how we react to the rules? No, it, it shouldn't because they've already broken the rules. But some people are taking it that way. And I just wanted to explain how they were feeling and how I understand. I really do. When I see someone break stuff, I, I don't feel a certain way. I know half the people, other people do. But when I see that, I just see frustration and anger. Like, we're finally letting it out in a way that is better than killing another person. Like, do you really want these people that are rioting and looting to do the same thing as the police officers are doing? Anyway, let's continue. Um, oh, I already read that. Okay. This manner of resistance in sporadic, short-lived, and costly in violence against the people. This method has been transmitted to all the ghettos of the black nation across the country. The first man's boop <laughs> the first man who threw a Matilov Matilov excuse me. Oh my god. <laughs> threw a Matilov cocktail is not personally known by the masses, but yet the action was respected and followed by the people. This um I don't know if I read it correctly, but if you understood me, um, the party is translating that if I, for one, if I share this petition and I say, go sign this petition, it will help us as a community. And it, I already signed it. So follow me. I'm the leader. Follow my example. I'm making a change. That's the, what that's what they're saying. Um, this would be equivalent to a person throwing a brick at a car. If I'm doing it, another black person will see me and say, huh, maybe I should do that too. Or maybe a white person, I guess. We'll see another white person doing it and be like, huh, maybe I should do that too. And it's a whole cycle of someone playing leader and other people following along. Let's continue. I'm going to talk through my notes. Um, they continue to talk about what should actually be used. For example, prolonged resistance through literature and activities. I talked about in my recent episode about um, burnout. And how currently my timeline is normal for change. There's no petitions or donations, and it's weird. It makes me feel like no one knows what we're fighting for at this moment. So it's important to read more, to have protests, which are activities, or um, having a session where you can talk to me and I talk to you about what is really going on and how to change it, to actually change it, and have a plan. And... They're talking about that's how to handle a revolution. Um, um, I think I wrote down, I wrote down, if the activities of the party are respected by the people, the people will follow the example. This is the primary job of the party. And compared to my last lecture episode, now we know that this party was not only supposed to protect black communities, but to educate black communities on what is going on in their, outside of their community. 
what is the bigger issue? That was their job, to teach that to the people. Um, the community learns through activities, either through observation or participation in the activity. Experience is the best learning. It goes back to what they're saying about how, when you say experience change, to know what it is, I guess. That's just like now, and I explained it pretty well earlier, so I'm going to continue. Um, this is a quote from their reading. Without the knowledge of the black community, one cannot could not gain the fundamental knowledge of the black revolution in the racist Americas. Okay, this, I really love this because in 2016, this is when the, this whole movement began. And I think I was scared. I think 2016, beginning of freshman year, yes, I was scared because I felt like, at the time, I think when someone said all lives matter, I really understood that more than Black Lives Matter. And I didn't understand why people said Black Lives Matter instead of Black Lives Matter 2. I was just very, I'm not going to say self-hating, but really that's the word. But I really didn't understand why All Lives Matter was terrible. So, uh, well, age, that's 20 minus 6, 6. Wait, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Four years later. No, I don't like math. I will never. Yes, I don't like math. Anyway, four years later, and I feel like I understand now. Through more experience, through more uh, ignorance. I understand why All Lives Matter is the stupidest thing ever. And it bugs the hell out of me when someone says it. And a couple times I've heard um, older people say it. And then I have to tone it down a little bit and try and think about okay I don't think they know what that really means and the context behind it but that's ugh. it just disgusts me because I'm so different now compared to my past self and I just wish I would could tell that person to just be yourself and stop trying to please everyone it's so stupid it really did not make me happy but yeah that quote really makes so much sense now the black communities then and the black communities now do not know that this is racism. <laughs> like, bruh, this is not right. And then now we can understand, oh my god, this needs to change. Okay, we need to go through with this. We need to we need to change something. We need to do this. We need to do that. It made so much sense to me and I really liked it. This touches on the black community learning, teaching the black that black people what is going on. The main function of the party is to awaken the people and to teach them the strategic method of resisting the power structure. I I think the whole meaning and the context behind the Black Panther Party really makes me happy. And it really gives me hope, even though it was in the past, but I'm just glad these people existed. Like, does that make sense? It's really cool to think that, whoa, like people are really fighting for my whole existence and not, now I'm here. It's just, it's encouraging. Um, one of their goals is to educate and make it known what the party does and then go into secrecy. So, in the text, they give an example about Fidel Castro. And, yo, I hate history. So, that's the only time I heard his name. But I do know he was bad. <laughs> is that bad? Oh, yeah, I just knew that he, he had a whole situation surrounding him. But, they really explained it through his example. So in the text, they say that Fidel Castro, he said some stuff, controversial stuff, and then he disappeared. 
So people were like, oh, my God, where did this guy go? And they were talking about him and being like, oh, my God, we got to find him. Like, where is he at? Like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that's what the Black Panther Party actually wanted to do. They wanted to educate uh, their black communities like, hey, this is the Black Panther Party. We're about educating you. We're about protecting you. And then go into secrecy. So it would spread and white people would know about it and all this and that. But I don't think it turned out the way because I don't know the ending of the Black Panther Party. But I do know that from the their dates and the Black Liberation Party, it I mean the Black Liberation Army, it seemed like it started to fade out. The party, the Black Panther Party, started to fade out before um, they could even go into secrecy. It was just cool for them to say that. Like, go into secrecy and let it spread. I don't know. I don't know if that would work now. Um, a revolutionary must realize that it, it, if he is sincere, death is imminent due to the fact that the things he is saying and doing are extremely dangerous. I don't know if this only applied to the Black Panther Party, but I don't think people really understand white people. I don't think they understand how much privilege ooh, privilege they really have above any black person. And sometimes I see these YouTube girls. I don't, I'm going to confess. I really watch a lot of, I used to watch a, wi a lot of white YouTubers living their lives and like just being happy and free. And that was my goal. I wanted to go to college and have that life. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, that, that life. And it's really scary because I really have to worry about what time I go out at night and whether or not I look suspicious or not in my clothing. And if I put my hands in my pockets and I put them out or just, it really bugs me. And now I have to continue living like this until something changes. And it's so different to a white person. They really don't have to think about that at all. Like, at all. They really don't. And I just find that really confusing and just, just wow. Really wow. And just being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, it's really scary. Because people really don't like you. Even if you're white. I've noticed, even if you're white, people don't like that statement, the meaning behind that statement, and I don't know why. It's, it, it baffles, it, it really does, like, well, damn, people really don't like black people, and when that really went through my brain, like, when I really comprehended that, when I was, I don't know, I don't know what age, high school, middle school, it really, whoa. It blew my mind, <laughs> even though I knew. It was just uh, groundbreaking, I guess. I don't know. The Black Panther Party of Defense teaches that defense weapons or any other necessary equipment should be taken from the power structure. The more weapons that the oppressor has, the more for the black community. This is funny. I don't know any black people who are pro-gun. Like, not pro-gun. Ooh, I mean, they like owning a gun. I'm just going to say that they like owning the gun. And I don't really know the, you know, gun. I was really a part of that March for Your Lives thing because that really, I think when I started seeing school shootings and how it was only white people and they were being 
they were being punished so differently. I I don't that really blew my mind, but it I really bugged me. It, it just that whole situation. I was part of I I follow their pages and I really wanted to support them, so I tried to watch as much stuff. And it just I don't know, guns. And there's been t- so many arguments on it and one thing that the Black Panther ha- party had were guns and I don't know. Isn't that s- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the police were thinking at that time and how they felt when they saw that. But I bet it was pretty powerful seeing your own police officers, Black Panther Party people in your neighborhood protecting you. And I don't know. I never, I don't normally see black police officers. Only on social media. But yeah. Or on campuses. You notice that there's always a black police officer, black security guard on campus? It's so weird. <laughs> so freaking weird. Anyway, um, my last little quote. The oppressors, by their brutal actions, cause resistance by the people. And I'm going to end it there. And uh, this is it of the lecture series. Um, I really don't know... Um, in three years from now, what will happen, and what will happen to me and you. Um, I really don't know if this will change anything, and I don't know if this will make anything worse. So, um, like someone else put it, what do we have to lose? We already lost everything. So, might as well keep fighting. My parents, they don't really, they see the rebel, they see what's going on, but they're so... I guess they lived through it already. They don't feel it as much as I do. And I was talking to my mom. And I could really, in my brain, I was thinking, damn, I really want to, my goal right now is to live to my mom's age. Like, that's really my future. I'm just trying to survive. And that should not be my life. I should really be focused on school right now and getting good grades and not failing my journalism test i'm so pissed at that like that should be my main priority but it's really not i'm really fighting i'm fighting for my life right now and it bugs me so yeah okay one more thing new lecture series i'm gonna go to their page right not their page but their website and it's like black uh, what's it called black co black lives matter dot card to ours dot co and they have so much, so much information. They they update the website so many times. It's pretty cool. And, oh, see, that's cool. Translated cards do not update. But, yeah, they have petitions you can sign where you can text and call, donations. And when you click more research, where you, <laughs> excuse me, more resources, they have educate yourself. And at the educate yourself, I'm going to go through that. Now, they do post some videos that are already posted online. I don't know if I want to go through that, but I might just look up what it is and try to, in simpler terms, explain it on my podcast, share it with y'all, and be done with it, and then move on to the next thing. Um, I really love this series because it really helps me process what's going on in the world and helps me learn what was going on in the world. And I hope you guys are listening along with me, and I hope you're sharing with other people and just, um, 
I guess listening to me <laughs> and letting me speak on my perspective through history, I guess, I would never become a history teacher. So that would never happen. Oh, wait, never make say never. I'm going to knock on wood. Anyway, um, I hope you guys stay safe. Thank you for listening. BLM, ACAB. See you guys in the next episode.